Welcome in all those watching us on YouTube uh, and on Sacktown Sports 1140 Twitter page. My name is Chris Watkins. Joining me digitally, as always, Frankie Cardicelli. Frank, we have survived the storm, the great storm of 2023. I don't know if we're going to be able to survive this Cardiac Kings, though. Three of their last, or no, four of their last five games have come down to one score. Uh, the only one not being a, a 10-point loss to, in Memphis on Monday. Uh, or, I'm sorry, what was that? Saturday? Saturday, Sunday? Uh, that was Sunday. Sunday, New Year's Day. Sunday, New Year's Day. Right. Uh, which which was the beginning of this storm. And uh, the Kings followed up Tuesday with a just an absolute thriller in Utah. Goes down to the final shot. Goes down to a review of that final shot. Uh, and then last night on the second night of a back-to-back, coming back to sack, uh, Bogey was back. It was good to see. Uh, what was not good to see was the Kings falling on the wrong side of the result, 120-117, uh, losing to Atlanta last night. What a, what a fun little, I mean, I guess, you know, the Memphis game wasn't fun, but but how have you felt watching these these just games come down to the wire these past couple days? I mean, I'm thinking about the last time we recorded and the, the Utah game hadn't even happened yet uh, right. with, with the uh, the Kevin Herter shot. So uh, really fun times. I mean, that was the loudest I've ever heard it at Golden One Center on, on Friday. That was really fun right. to see and hear. Uh, some fun games. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you look at the three of the last four, Utah, Utah, and Atlanta, some fun and some bad. I mean, you're more good than bad, right? In two of those three, you win them. Uh, the Memphis game, obviously the outlier where the Kings are clearly outmatched by a good Memphis team. But this team is competing on a nightly basis. Even the Memphis game, they were kind of – they had a chance to make a run. Yeah. Uh, they were never really completely out of it. But when you look at games like last night, they kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth. And obviously Tuesday's game and, and Utah was so fun and exciting and – uh, it always is it's such a bummer to me when the Kings have these back-to-backs and uh, a really fun game and, and a, a strong performance from De'Aaron Fox in the fourth quarter gets kind of overshadowed by a loss, and now the Kings have two off days before uh, they can try to wash that taste out. But um, it's it's encouraging to me that they're in every game. Right. Uh, obviously, you'd like to win games like last night, but to be fair, the Kings were never in control last night, and that's not really something I'm saying to make anyone feel better, but it wasn't a game that they deserved to win. They needed to play better from the beginning. The defense was atrocious. As we know, the defense has been up and down this season. It's going through another bad spell. Uh, their last three games, they've allowed 118, 115, 120. Actually, four games, 120. Actually, I'm sorry. It's a way longer stretch of games that are bad. They have not allowed under 117 points, 115 points since the, I think. Well, the Denver game excluded. I don't think one actually, of I can't, the Denver games they allowed. I can't see a game on here. I'm actually trying to look back and like further back. And the point is, the defense has been bad. Too so bad. They, we, we're going to talk about what kind of stuck out against Atlanta and mm-hmm. everything. But um, right now, I'm just looking at the schedule, and there's more green as in wins than than red yep. as in losses. So uh, 20 and 17, they are in sole possession of first place in the Pacific, which is kind of crazy uh, based on percentage points. Um, but Kings fans should should be greedy. I mean, they have the best yeah. games coming up that they should win. And uh, last night was a perfect example of uh, a game the Kings could have won. Even though they weren't supposed to win, they had a chance. Yep. Yep. And we'll talk about that Kings uh, good stretch of games coming up uh, t- probably towards the end of this episode. Uh, we'll also get into uh, recaps of ha- what we thought of, of last night's game and Tuesday's game uh, in Utah. But first, I want to talk about something I mentioned at the top of this episode, uh, being that the all-star uh, voting, fan voting, has just been released uh, right literally like right before we, we went live today uh, at 10 o'clock. Let me see if I can share this with our viewers so that people can uh, can get the same kind of thing. Look at the same thing I'm looking at here. Um, so we have all our voting, uh, fan voting, which has been released. And the big surprise for uh, for all Sacramento Kings fans here, if you look at this list, there are some names that uh, that are missing. And... The glaring ones for Sacramento Kings fans are no Demonis Sabonis and no De'Aaron Fox even listed on the uh, the top ten 
positional fan votes. Uh, just to read through for the Western Conference, the front court players, which again does not include Demonis Sabonis, is LeBron James leading all uh, all vote getters, uh, Eastern and Western Conference, with 3.1 million view, uh, votes. Jokic uh, second, Anthony Davis third, Zion fourth, Andrew Wiggins fifth, uh, Paul George sixth, Laurie Markkinen seventh, Draymond Green eighth, Kawhi Leonard ninth, and Kavon Looney tenth with. 245,000 votes. Uh, so Demonis Sabonis does not crack that list, not even getting 245,000 votes. Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> oh, let me, uh, let me get this uh, overlay out of the way for the stream viewers. Uh, and then go through the guards as well. Again, De'Aaron Fox not included on this list. And this is even more tragic. Steph Curry leads guard votes. Uh, Steph Curry, mind you, hasn't played in about a month or so. Uh, leading guards with 2.7 million votes, Luka Doncic in second, John Morant in third, Shea Gilgis-Alexander in fourth, Clay Thompson fifth, Russell Westbrook sixth, Damian Lillard seventh, Devin Booker eighth, Austin Reeves ninth with 144,000 votes, and Jordan Poole tenth with 138,000 votes. Disgusting. Uh, Fox not cracking that list, not even getting 138,000 votes. Frank... I don't even know what to say about this. Obviously, you know, the fan vote is not the end all be all. I believe the fan vote is only for for the starters um, that will or it's it's for the list of starters that can mm-hmm. be selected by by the captain. So uh, fan vote, again, not the end all be all. Um, and you can still make the all star team, I believe, off coaching votes. And I, I'm not sure if it's media votes or not, but I do know that there's a second secondary criteria that uh, that allows you to be selected to the All Star Game as well. Um, but just kind of what are what are your initial thoughts seeing this list and uh, the lack of inclusion of of any Sacramento Kings even being named on the top ten? I'm just I'm very confused because I've never seen so much activity as far as the Kings voting process goes, the fan yeah. vote, and when you look at the fact that there are days where there are you can vote three times. It counts for three. Yep. De'Aaron Fox doesn't have one hundred thirty thousand votes combined. Like I just don't understand. Like Jordan Poole has one hundred thirty-eight thousand. Austin Reeves one forty-four. De'Aaron Fox didn't get more than that. I don't think De'Aaron Fox yeah. doesn't have two hundred thousand votes. I mean, that's a strange. I, I just don't really fully understand it. I know that Golden State and Los Angeles that's, that's those are big markets, and I get that. That makes sense for the why Westbrook's top six right now, even though he's been bad for most of the year. He's been playing yeah. well lately. But has he been a top six guard in the Western Conference? Absolutely not. And, of course, this isn't indicative of that. The, the fan voting process of the All-Star game is not indicative of how you've been playing. I get that. Right. But it's market-based. And even for players, I mean, I'm looking right now at, I hate to break Look, it, Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton should not be eighth in the guard voting yeah. in the East. And he's in Indiana. So, yeah, he's below players like Trey Young who have been bad this year. Um, mm-hmm. he's below James Harden. I mean, I know James Harden is James Harden, time, the name, yeah. but he's missed time and he hasn't really been, um, the James Harden that has been a, an MVP over the past couple if he can't the past couple Lamello years. Ball, so. He's behind Lamella Lam- oh. balls barely played this year. I mean, it just really is confusing to me. I mean, there are some names on this list that are very deserving to be up here on this fan vote process, but I'm happy. This isn't the end all be all. It's not the end all be right. all, and they don't go completely <laughs> right. off fan voting because, uh, I mean, the name of like, Austin Reeves being top ten is just I just yeah. I really can't I can't you know I, can't, I, I uh, almost kind of expect that because that's like a troll vote it's it's you throw in the Los Angeles factor of it all you throw in the Austin Reeves meme factor of it all that one makes a little bit of sense to me uh, but I kind of get you know I, I kind of expected them not to be high up on the list but i definitely expected both to be featured in the list and the fact to me that laurie markinen is seventh for the front court players utah's utah's a small market as well probably slightly bigger than sacramento but not much um and you know laurie is the the f- most front-facing player of that jazz team that has been a big surprise but i think the kings have gotten just as much if not more national media attention uh, than than the Utah Jazz have and and Sabonis not being recognized at all in that in that front court list is absolutely absurd. And then for the guards, you see Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's in OKC. Yes, Shea is playing incredibly, averaging over thirty points a game. 
but for Shea to get that level of recognition, and then again for De'Aaron Fox, who's in a similar level of market, uh, for him to not even get mentioned, and we're talking a lower state, you know, the, the Kavon Looney, who's 10th for the front court players, has 245,000 votes. Not that much when you compare the fact that Andrew Wiggins in fifth place, who that's also kind of absurd, has 1.1 million votes. Uh, you know, that that's that's a huge gap. But Jordan Poole has 138,000 votes, 100,000 less votes than Kavon Looney. And De'Aaron Fox still, like you mentioned, can't even crack that. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, Apparently, I mean that, we're not voting. That, <laughs> Sacramento that, fans are not voting. This means that fans have voted probably twice as much for Kevon Lee than, than they have for De'Aaron Fox. And again, right. it comes down right. to right. it comes down to the market. I mean, the Bay Area must love Kevon Looney. And hey, Kevon Looney's had some good moments. And mm-hmm. uh, even I, I just think that he's never going to be an All Star. <laughs> no, let me tell you, he's no. never going to sniff an All Star game. Austin Reeves is not going to make the All Star team. No, like it's it's not going to happen that way. Uh, even Andrew Wiggins hasn't played much this year. He's top five, mm-hmm. and he started last year. So yeah. it's really the Golden State fans and Laker fans kind of flooding these yeah. these these voting box digital voting yeah. boxes, whatever. Stuff so, in the ballot. Yeah, but the, here's the thing about the All Star team, an All Star game: the fact that a majority of the players that are selected are obviously reserves, and it comes from the coaches and the media. And yeah. I know that coaches for sure have taken note of what Demonis Sabonis is doing this year. De'Aaron Absolutely. Fox as well. And most, mostly DeMontis Sabonis, though, who the man's leading the NBA in rebounds per game and rebounds right now. He's had 15 yeah. straight double-doubles, leads the NBA in double-doubles. Uh, he's gonna he's going to be an all-star. I mean, I, I'm, not afraid of, I'm not afraid of being freezing cold takes. DeMontis Sabonis is going to be an all-star. The he question to me is, will De'Aaron Fox have enough on his resume to, to sneak in there in one of those last spots in the West? Or can he be an injury replacement? But I think that Fox also... I told you last night, I'm kind of coming around to the side of, I think Fox maybe could more likely than not be an all-star. When you look at the injuries that have taken place in the West and some players that might not play, um, what's, what De'Aaron Fox has done in the fourth quarter over the past couple of weeks, which, which we're going to get into in a little bit, uh, I, I think he's very deserving. It's just, are there enough spots? And the spots, as we can see here today, right. uh, it's very political. It's very polarizing. And it's very uh, bad. It's just bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else yeah. you categorize this other than it is an uphill bad. battle. <laughs> uphill yeah. battle. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think the guard position, I, I completely agree with you. I think Demonis Sabonis is an all-star. I'm confident in saying that. Uh, his numbers speak for itself. His impact speaks for itself. And like you said, I think if we're talking coaches especially, I think coaches are well aware of the the level that Demonis Sabonis has played at this season. And I'm pretty confident that uh that he will be recognized as so and and will probably you know with without much of a sweat earn an all-star bid this season De'Aaron is kind of where where I think the the conversation kind of begins just because I do think the top four vote getters for guards I'm not going to say are locks with I think Shea is the one that I'm a little bit iffy on but i would say that they're as close to locks as you're gonna get i'm i'm fairly confident steph curry is gonna make the all-star game i it's i don't know what we're doing if luka Doncic doesn't make the all-star game jaw is probably gonna make it like i said shea is more than likely gonna make it so that already puts you at four guards you know and then it's kind of like a fox devin booker uh and that's probably the next two in the list. And then I'm trying to think of, of others, but I think, you know, at, at that point, I think there's five guard spots. So yeah, if, if De'Aaron, you know, if De'Aaron, uh, uh, if there's an injury replacement, I think that there, I think we were talking about that yesterday, that there's a good chance De'Aaron can make it as an injury replacement, which guess what? All counts the same. Doesn't really matter. He'll take it. Um, I think that there's a, a decent shot De'Aaron makes it when it's all said and done, but I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that that it's a lock at the moment. No, not not a lock, not a lock, but we still have a month to go, a month mm-hmm. until the reserves are even announced. So a lot could happen right. by then. I, I don't know if the votes take place. I'd imagine the votes are being collected probably pretty soon if you have to mm-hmm. get it from all 30 coaches. Um, but look, De'Aaron is doing what he can to put himself in that conversation. That's enough to me. And yeah. – the talent pool of the West is deep and you can't control that. 
But the one thing that can be, I think, pretty, I think it's pretty likely Demonis Sabonis is going to be an All Star, and I will say a lock. I I will say today it's a lock, but. Man, just looking at all, the names on this list, it still is going to be tough for me to uh, – I mean, just looking at the list, because I was saying to you off the air, oh, yeah, but I got a post ready. You know, We were talking to our boss about getting an update ready for for the all-star totals. You see the Kings putting out these commercials. The fact that they're not good even on the list. commercials, by the way. Yeah, hilarious. Hilarious. Good commercials. Like Are the, they in the, the spirit of The Office, or is it in the spirit of the This is ESPN commercials? Or this, is that one and the same almost? This is ESPN for sure. It's okay. uh, It seems like it. At least one of them seems like the This is Sports right. Center right. commercials, which, Center, right. which I've always been a fan of that model. I've always been yeah. a fan of that kind of – if the Kings were to do those, it would be hilarious, and they should do more in my opinion. Like you see the Giants, I think, have done commercials over the mm-hmm. years. Um, So, yeah, the fact that all this effort that was put into this – this all-star campaign uh, and it's not, I mean, I don't want to say it's not fans fault for voting, but I mean, <laughs> I expect a little more than 130,000 yeah. votes for De'Aaron Fox. And yeah, I don't know. And Demonis Sabonis has, I mean, I'd assume he has a following overseas, but maybe not. I mean, maybe not right. as much. Cause obviously you see some players like, like Jokic and, and Luca. I mean, these are some of the biggest stars in the, in the game, but I mean, it's just a little overwhelming to see, but yeah, it's, I wonder it's how one much part. of it. Yeah. I wonder how much of it has to do with the fact that they changed the voting process this year and it's not, you know, in the past that you would you could tweet and vote. Uh, you know, I think it would you just had to have De'Aaron Fox's name and have all star hashtag all star in, in the you know in in the post and it would count as a vote. And now you have to physically go to NBA.com, Kings.com and like create an account and do all that process. So I wonder if that is kind of I mean, it, it is just like a small step, but I do wonder how much of that is playing uh, playing a role into the voting process. Because obviously, Kings fans are incredibly active on Twitter, but uh, you know, it's a whole different process when when uh, when you're asking people to to go that extra step to vote. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It just it's it caught me it's caught me off guard a little bit. I it definitely is. I expected guard. more. I expected more. I did too. Uh, but let's move. Uh, this is a, a nice smooth transition while we're talking about De'Aaron Fox and uh, his All Star candidacy. He has absolutely turned it up since uh, returning from uh, from that brief uh, injury that he uh, he that kept him out of two games. Uh, he returned on the road for that ugly Philly loss and then uh, and then really started to look himself. Uh, in Toronto as the Kings got that win uh, over the Raptors. Uh, what was that? That was like a month ago at this point. In his past 10 games uh, since that Toronto game, averaging 27 points a game, just under six and a half assists, shooting 52% from the field. Uh, and on you throw in on top of those just already surface level incredible numbers. He has been a different monster when it comes to the fourth quarter, uh, you know, a Tuesday night is is absolutely the perfect case for that. Dropping 22 points uh, just in that fourth quarter on his way to 37 on the night and uh, hit the most important one, the game winner uh, in Utah to seal that win for the Kings. Frank, bro, this guy, De'Aaron Fox, it's been uh, not an up and down year, but definitely in the beginning of the year, we saw like that all-star, that, that incredible, you know, his shot was, his three-point shot was falling. And then we saw him kind of crater a little bit, not crater, but but kind of go down a little bit as he picked up that injury. Like I said, missed some games, and then it kind of took him one or two games just to kind of get back in the rhythm. But what are you seeing from De'Aaron Fox right now that just has you has you excited? Because this fool is just playing on a different level right now. Well, I mean, he looks like himself again. And the three-point yeah. shot is the one kind of part of his game that has fallen off. But everything else still, it's, it's there. I mean, over the past 11 games, it's coming back from the foot injury. After that Philly game, 27 points per game, a little under seven assists, 4.1 rebounds, 51% from the field. And when you take into account what he's doing in the fourth quarter and seven of the past nine games, Chris, seven of the past nine games, De'Aaron Fox has scored 11 or more points in the fourth quarter. In two of those games, he had 17 points or more. And that includes a 22 point game in Utah. But he just is getting and he said it before. And when he said this quote, I kind of was like, oh, I don't know if you're – I think you might be biting off a little more than you can chew. When he said, I can get whatever shot that I want, he's not kidding. I mean, he when he means by that is he can get into the paint and get to the rim whenever he wants with yeah. all these moves he makes. I mean, obviously, he can have those step-through Euro steps. He had this little step back kind of on a dime 
uh, float back jumper that we were watching. And we said, whoa, like yeah, that, I can't nasty. believe he went full speed, just stopped on a dime and kind of like a, a little slight fadeaway, but he can get wherever he wants inside the key and he can finish. And when you see him playing at that kind of level and with the confidence that he has, it just shows how dangerous he can be. And he's doing that right now. He did it at the beginning of the year, the foot injury slowed him down. I think that was concerning a lot of people. He feels completely fine. Uh, last night he rolled his ankle and he was like, oh yeah, well, that's why I, I wore the braces. Like I'm fine. It looked bad, but it wasn't bad. Just kind of like a scary thing that happens, but he, uh, he's taking the precautions to keep himself healthy. Resting his foot seemed to, to really alleviate some mm-hmm. of that pain. I mean, it kind of is crazy what just a day or two off your feet can, right. can do for the human body, but 27 points per game over the last month, essentially is mm-hmm. again, that's what has pro- propelled him back into that all-star conversation. He kind of faded away on that regard. Now it's back into, okay, well, if he keeps this up the next month, I don't know how you keep him out. So winning games, the most important. And yeah, the Kings have won three of five. Uh, that's most important. But having De'Aaron Fox play at a high level, while Demonis Sabonis is playing at a high level. And there are, some other, there are some other things that have not been going right, which is why the Kings have not been winning. Um, right. You know, they're, they're playing over 500 basketball, but why things haven't been really good for them. We'll get to that in a little bit. But De'Aaron Fox is playing at a high level, and that's most important. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you mentioned the, that Demonis Sabonis is playing incredible right next to him. To me, that's the that's the, been the biggest key for the Kings uh, retaining the the amount of success that they have. And, it, you know, it, it really has they, they I think in their last 20 games that they're uh, now 10 and or, I'm sorry, in their last 21 games, they were 10 and 10 in their last 20 uh, now being 10 and 11 in their last 21. Uh, so they, they really have just been keeping their head above water. And uh, that's really all you have to do with that's that cushion of getting a couple games above 500 so that you can kind of still be average but still be float you know at the end of the day your your record is still five game or whatever it is I'm sorry I shouldn't say five games above 500 because they haven't gotten there yet but now uh they're they're still keeping their head above is, water over that 500 isn't that incredible it doesn't make incredible sense. last night if anyone didn't know was the seventh time the kings have tried to pull five games above the 500 mark they're owing seven this year when they're yeah trying to go five games over they cannot get over that hurdle i mean if they can't get over it this week los angeles orlando houston houston san antonio la okay i mean the next seven games you can't get five games over i don't know when you're going to so yeah i mean let's talk let's talk about these seven games because the i've been (laughs) and i've been waiting I have been waiting for this seven-game stretch since the schedule came out. Uh, it was very clear that this was going to be the time for the Kings to really kind of make their stamp on the season. Uh, it's a seven-game stretch. I believe five of them are at home. They play the Lakers on Saturday, Magic on Monday, Rockets in a back-to-back on Wednesday and Friday, uh, and then go on the road at San Antonio on Sunday and then uh, and then on the road again uh, at the Lakers on Wednesday and then close out the easy stretch on Friday uh, against OKC. So that's uh, the next two weeks of Kings basketball are looking pretty smooth. Uh, In my opinion, if uh, if they go anything worse than I I think five and two is about the record that I'm willing to uh, accept as like, okay, we we it could have been better, but we we definitely you know, at that point, you're getting your head above that five games above 500 mark. You're you're kind of you're you're feeling your oats a little bit because you you just went on this nice little run. Like I said, five of those games being at home, you're probably feeling good off some home cooking. Probably, hopefully, get a couple blowouts in there uh, and are able to kind of reestablish yourself as, as a team and kind of find yourself and what you're good at. And that's really what I'm hoping for from this seven game stretch, Frank. What are you uh, What are you looking forward to most in this in this I don't even know what to call it because it's not. Again, I don't want to be disrespectful to these teams and call it an easy stretch, but it's it's a lightning of the schedule, I guess. But it, but it should be right. I mean, the Kings right. have played to a point where they are no slouches, right? But when you look at some of these other games they've had that we've looked at and said, okay, here's a good opportunity. Most notably, Charlotte, Washington, and then last night against Atlanta. Right. And sure, Atlanta, Atlanta was the second out of a back to back. They travel, which is a tough. A tough back-to-back. I mean, traveling from Utah, I've, I've heard, is it's a tough flight oh out. Gosh, it's a rough right. flight out. A lot of turbulence. Uh, they do have some things like that that are going to play in their favor. They play the Lakers on Saturday. They'll be on a back-to-back. Yep. And obviously, Lebr- LeBron has been uh, playing out of his mind, even though he's 
almost 40 years old and partially injured. Uh, he's Anthony got back-to-back 40-point games, if I'm not mistaken. He's incredible. I mean, he's incredible. And, and it's exciting that he's going to be in the building on Saturday. But yeah. uh, the Kings need to take advantage of, of the fact that the Lakers aren't a back-to-back. Uh, they have no Anthony Davis. And on down the list. I mean, Orlando is – they have length. They gave the Kings some issues uh, in that game earlier of the season. De'Aaron Fox's mm-hmm. shot saved them. Uh, Houston has been one of the worst teams in the league this year. San Antonio on down the list. The Kings to me need to take care of business. Uh, they need to get over that five games over 500 hurdle, which they can't seem to get over, but we can't sit here coming. I mean, what January 21st and they play Philadelphia and look back at this seven game stretch and say, well, they messed that up. They squandered that opportunity because look coming up in February. I mean, I know that, <laughs> Minnesota is not the Minnesota Timberwolves that we've come to know, but I think Carl Anthony Towns is coming back soon. And the Kings historically mm-hmm. have struggled in Minnesota. They have a back-to-back in Minnesota, Toronto, Memphis. Uh, the Kings need to take care of these games against mm-hmm. the teams that are literally out of the playoff picture in San Antonio and Houston. And it's got to start this weekend. It's got to start this yep. weekend. But um, staying healthy is most important. And the Kings, as we know, are dealing with a couple things. On, well, not a couple, just one big thing, Demonis Sabonis' hand. But <laughs> – he seemed fine. So if he can stay healthy and on the floor, the Kings should, in my opinion, should have no problem. I think you said five yeah. and two. Five and two yep. to me, that's, that's the very, worst I'm willing to accept. That's a very good, I think, benchmark. Though. That's a very good, like, realistic goal because I could see one of these games against Houston getting away from them. Um, the beauty of this stretch, though, is they have no back to backs coming up. Mm-hmm. They have days off in between all of these games. Um, I don't know how well they've played with rest this year. I could probably pull up the splits and see what that looks like. Um, The Kings this year on a day of rest, one day of rest, they're 14 and seven. They are three and three, 500 on the second day of a back-to-back. And now three, three days or more rest, they're on three. So I don't know if they have any of those coming up, but they don't get too much rest, please. Clearly Mike Brown's, Putting these guys through too much practice. We've heard he likes to practice a lot. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the stretch. A lot of home games too, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it's going to be really important for them to, to get these wins too, because they only find themselves, even at the moment, three games out of the play. I mean, Minnesota being the 11th seed, uh, the Kings are only three games ahead of them right now. So if you don't get that clearance against these teams that, that you're supposed to beat, when you're over with this and you have to play. I mean, after that Thunder game, you do have a back-to-back, and it's against the Philadelphia 76ers, and then you play the Grizzlies, and then you play the Raptors, and then you end the month with a back-to-back, not a back-to-back, but two consecutive games uh, against the Timberwolves, who you mentioned might be getting Carl Anthony Towns back, but that's historically been a tough matchup. Like, things do not get easy uh, for the King. It's not just like an easy road to the end of the season after that. Like there's, there is a real potential if the Kings don't take care of business in this stretch that they kind of find themselves back in the, not necessarily the play in race in the sense of where we've traditionally seen them, where they're, you know, trying to get into the play in, but they might be just kind of constantly fighting the rest of the year in, you know, that, seven to ten range where you're never really clearing out of it and you're you're just kind of in a seeding battle at that point and right now the kings are kind of sitting pretty at the fifth seed well but that's how close it is though the kings are a bad stretch away from not falling out of the top five in the west falling out of the complete playoff picture and playing picture there are three games back from the 11 seed so i know the kings are the third easiest remaining strength of schedule and i'm not going to sit here and be doom and gloom and say oh they're 20 and 17 and we should think of the worst case scenario, but that just shows a large part of them having the third easiest remaining strength of schedule is this upcoming stretch. This is it. This is going to take a huge chunk out of that. If they come through this next seven game period, the remaining strength of schedule probably is going to be what, like maybe 10, 11. I mean, this is a huge portion of games that they need to take advantage of. So I'm not taking them lightly. I'm not taking the rockets lightly. I'm not taking anybody lightly for this team. They need to come out and put the hammer down. Yeah, definitely. And like Mike Brown talked about it last night and it really got me thinking. Mike Brown talked about how you can't go into any of these games expecting to win or expecting to lose because of the other team's record or what kind of streak they're on. Last night, the the Hawks were coming in, I believe, on a four game losing streak um, or was that they were they were coming in on a losing streak as with the Jazz when the Kings played them. 
And yeah, you can look at it from, from, you know, a thousand feet away and say, oh yeah, the Kings did take care of business against X team, Y team, Z team. Uh, but that doesn't really do it justice. Like you have to show the, the point of Mike Brown's comments where you have to show up every single night. Every night is its own individual game, its own individual entity. Anything can happen. And just because you're on paper supposed to be the team doesn't mean that you can just roll the ball out there and, and you know, things will go your way. Like you have to show the focus on every single night in order to get the result that you want. And that's not something that many, I shouldn't say anybody, but many guys on this roster have done before, especially at this point in the season. This is, you know, the Kings are traditionally a losing franchise. We know this. They're traditionally right now around the 13 to 11 seed right now in the Western Conference and kind of trying to claw their way in there. Um, but they haven't been in this front runner spot where they're expected to win on a night to night basis and expected to take care of business. Every night they've been they're they're usually those guys who are fighting for their lives, trying to win every single game like it's their last. And and now being in a comfort position, being in a power position where again you're supposed to take care of business. And you know, Mike Brown has made countless state times this year. He has said, I try not to to gas Dearin up too much after his incredible performances because this is what I expect him to do. And I think if you just kind of extrapolate that to the entire team, like we shouldn't, you know, on a night to night basis, these guys need to not come in having a big ego, having, you know, feeling their oats a little bit. And they really do need to take every single night personally and not, you know, have these, these close games. Like we've you know, not that the close games are bad, but um, I, I just think this team needs to show a level of focus during this stretch. And we've seen they've won seven straight games uh, before this season. They've shown that level of focus. Uh, but clearly, since they've gone on that winning streak, they haven't been the same team and haven't looked, you know, nearly as deadly offensively as they did during that seven game stretch. It's going to be interesting to me to see while we're like really in the middle, in the heart of this season, can the Kings look inside themselves as corny as it sounds can they pull it from within themselves to really focus these next seven games and take care of business yeah i mean it is an interesting spot that they're in because like you said uh i mean a year ago today what the kings were probably looking up saying well maybe we can scratch and claw our way into things yeah now it's not about that it's about just staying where you are and right. staying in that top five six i mean i don't you, you shouldn't want to play the plan the plan is I mean, coming from somebody that watches, I mean, I've watched the the Yankees and the the wild card game, <laughs> right. the single wild card game. It's not fun. I mean, for when you're watching your team playing a, a winner take all yep. single elimination game, just to that decides your whole season. One yep. game, the Kings should have a goal not to make the. And I think that this is very true. I don't think they'll they'll say this publicly, but I think that they are not looking at the plan. They're looking at the top six, and they've been yeah. a top six team all season. So it's about staying where you are right now. And, yeah, there are teams that are going to make a run. I mean, the Phoenix Suns, to me, are going to figure it out. Yeah. The Golden State Warriors have been playing better basketball as of late. They did get beat by the Pistons last night, though. That was a pretty crazy finish. Yeah. Um, the, the Trailblazers are going to be there. They're going to be challenging the Kings. But the Kings, to me, in my opinion, and I'm, I, am, I am trying to be as unbiased as I can, the Kings have the guys to be a top-six team in the West. But they do need a little more help. They need to answer mm -hmm. some questions. The bench. I mean, the bench has been kind of all over the place the past mm -hmm. couple of games. They still do not have a backup center. They are searching for an answer. They played Trey Lyles last night as a small ball five in the second half. Uh, Casey Akpala, who had some huge defensive plays against Utah, doesn't doesn't play a minute when the Kings need defensive help. That Bogdan Bogdanovich and DeAndre Hunter were tearing the Kings apart late in the game, and those are both guys that could have used. I mean, the Kings could have used Casey on both of those guys, mm -hmm. and. Mike Brown was seeing something and decided not to, and the Kings didn't pull out. That's fine. Maybe it would have made a difference. Maybe it would have. But this upcoming stretch, like you said, the heart of a season is the time to figure these things out. And <laughs> the trade deadline will go hand-in-hand hand with that. The trade deadline is about a month away. Will the Kings look to upgrade? Will the Kings also uh, come, I think, January 10th is the guarantee deadline. They'll have to make a decision on a couple of players. Matthew Delvadova, mm -hmm. Casey Akpala, and I think the third one is Chima. They have to make a decision on those three. Is mm -hmm. that the three? That's right. Is it those three? That would make sense. 
Yeah, and so be the three guys they sign. Do you get? Do you fully guarantee all those players? Do you do you let one go and, and open up a roster right. spot? Um, the time for those decisions is coming up because the Kings, right. to, to me, top six is the goal. They will not be a top six team unless they make a couple of tweaks and they need more yeah. defense. They need more upside on that forward side of things. They need uh, a a, a Paula esque figure that can also score right. the basketball because right. the Kings are playing four on five. Yep. offensively when he's on the floor. I mean, he hit a three. I think it was again. I can't remember what game the it Utah was. Utah game, I think. In the it was corner. so random. It was and so random. You, you, it was you great. Brendan. It kept them on the floor. Oh, it, it, that helped keep them alive. Yeah. And yeah. You, me, and Brendan were looking at each other just like, what the hell? Just yeah. <laughs> no hesitation. No, he I, didn't. I respect it. But yeah. um, the time is, is coming up. It's pretty soon yeah. to decide what are we going to do because those are the biggest areas of need right now. Um uh, as good as the bench was this season has been all year bench stability, bench consistency and defensive impact. And obviously that includes the backup center position because that's the King's biggest area of weakness right now. Um, And that's going to happen pretty soon. I think they're gonna have to make some decisions. Yep. Yeah. It'll be super interesting to see what happens. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned the, the TD and KZ thing yesterday. That was super interesting to me. I think it might've had something to do with uh, again, uh, 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 Coach Brown post game mentioned that he didn't like how the offense was looking when Rashawn was in. Uh, so maybe that that could be a, a a reason as to why KZ didn't see the floor. Like you mentioned, KZ, when he's on the floor, is kind of four on five on offense. And TD, we know, can provide that spark plug. And I, I just think it didn't work out for Rashawn or for TD yesterday. And, and that's why you saw Mike you're completely right like as they're in the middle of the season this is the time to figure it out with the deadline right around the corner as well like in about two or three weeks here our our episodes are going to be pretty heavily focused on okay who is the target that the kings are going to try and get because it's really clear that they're search they are searching for that answer at backup center uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a couple games here where Trey Lyles goes in at the center. We saw it in the Denver game. Uh, obviously, Mike Brown wasn't wasn't physically present to to watch that with his own eyes in front of him. Uh, I he it seemed to me. I don't know if you got the same vibe that he didn't hate the Trey Lyles minutes the other day. I think uh, he he mentioned that it's more for an offensive the offensive end of the floor than more than the defensive side of the floor. Just kind of hoping that Trey can can you know pull, his gravity can can kind of change the the dimensions of the floor for the Kings offensively acknowledging that defensively yeah it's going to be tough when you have a a 6869 guy at center but um that that's going to be super interesting to me just kind of how how the trade season develops and how all that goes down yeah and uh, you saw um Trey Lyles play backup center against Denver with Jokic which that right. was surprising to me and to me, I'm looking at a game like the Lakers, who they don't really have any center depth at the moment. They have Thomas Bryant, but yep. um, he's a pretty thin center. I mean, I would not be surprised if it starts the next game. Is that Damian? Oh, I thought you were going to call for Damian Jones's music. I was going to say, is that Damian Jones's music I hear? You know what's crazy? The Kings could actually use him this year. He's not like a yeah. defensive big, but he's lengthy and he had an offensive punch to him. He could go get you 10 points a night, no problem. Right. And Decent to me, that's center. and that's what's exactly yeah, and that's what it seems like. Mike Brown made a point of last night. He wasn't really making a point of the defense, which I think goes without saying. To to be mm-hmm. fair, but he said that he brought, put Trey Lyles in for the the offensive impact he would bring mm-hmm. as a stretch five. Kings going to use Damian Jones, who showed some range from the mid range, even three point range, and he did was hit a, a couple of surprising amount of mid range and three point yeah. shots last year. Yeah, I think the Kings that would have been nice to have him over Alex Len, obviously, but didn't happen but yeah it would not surprise me if what we saw during the second half for Sean Holmes being sat for Trey Lyles against uh, the Lakers happens tomorrow or Saturday night but um yeah the TD thing was also very strange to me because I feel like he's someone that was such a huge part of their success their bench success yeah. and he was a spark plug the microwave as as he likes to be called but I don't really under I mean it, it worked I mean Mike Brown benching him I think they won uh what four of six with TD out of the rotation and three of the last five. So, I mean, it's, it's worked. And last night he randomly makes a cameo appearance. So yeah. I'm not sure what that means for the, the future of him being in the rotation. I'm not sure yeah. if he's someone that the Kings are looking to have as an add on in 
a Rashawn Holmes deal, if they can try to find a deal for that, because I'm not sure what other assets the Kings have that are attractive yeah. that Monty McNair wouldn't, I don't want to say wouldn't mind parting with, but um, Terrence Davis at this point, I mean, he hasn't been, I don't want to say he's expendable, but he kind of is expendable. I mean, when you look at yeah. who the Kings can move, right. he hasn't, he has, he's not someone that's been integral to the team's success this year. I mean, yeah, I think, I think him and Malik are kind of not, they don't necessarily do the same things, but spiritually, I think they're a little redundant. You know, I think when TD and, and Malik are kind of both coming in to give you a huge spark off the bench. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if playing TD and Malik is, is what's best for the winning situation, especially when you consider the defensive end. Like if I had to guess, I think Mike probably views TD as like the bizarro version of KZ. It's like KZ gives me all defense, minimal offense, and we TD kind of gives him all offense and and minimal defense. Uh, as we heard, you know, when when we remember when uh, TD took that charge, and you know, Mike was talking talking to him and clapping him up and doing all that, uh, doing all that praise. I remember in the post game, he was kind of like, "I'm hard on TD, and like I'm probably harder on TD than anybody else on this team," and that kind of tells me that. TD might mess up quite a bit. That's kind of what that tells me. Yeah. And like, while it is good that he's very coachable and Mike acknowledge, they can both acknowledge that, that Mike rides him and, and is trying to make him better. The fact that Mike does ride him kind of means Mike sees a lot of mistakes. Yeah. I mean, he's the person that, I mean, the, the clip of him being brought to the court and going over that, I mean, he, he <laughs> physically walking him to the spot, right? Yeah. I mean, there are obviously some, some red flags with TD, but I mean, when you are, I think when you're down and the Kings haven't had many games where they've been down by 10, 15 plus points, he's a, a perfect player to put in at that point because yeah. you need someone that's going to either get you back in the game before things get out of hand or, or it won't work out. But I mean, he is someone that has come in and gotten them buckets when they needed him and that Brooklyn game obviously was, was his highlight of the season. He was huge in that game. Uh, TD on TNT and get 30 points that night. So yep, 35 oh, goodness. Yeah. I'm not sure what his future looks like. I, I think that if the Kings were to make a trade, um, he's a good throw in. He's a good throw in. And for you a team know, that's, not, yeah. that the team that's competing or a team that's still hoping to make the playoffs too. I mean, everybody is still kind of alive right now. I'm looking at the NBA standings. I mean, yeah. outside of Houston, I think San Antonio, you could say they're pretty much out. I mean, yeah. even OKC's two games out of the 10 seed. Um, Detroit and Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte, Charlotte should start selling off pieces pretty soon here. Uh, mm-hmm. Detroit, too. And I'm not sure when these deals are going to take place. I think there's still a couple other dates coming up when uh, players that sign extensions, I think, can be traded in a week or so. Um, deals are going to happen. But there are still some teams that are teetering on the edge. I mean, even Orlando has made a run, and they're alive. They're yep. three games out. So, which is also it speaks to the fact the Kings cannot get down for the Orlando game. They've been, they've been playing pretty well over the past month or so, uh, six and four over the past ten. I'm wondering what the Kings are going to look like come February, but yeah. I, I don't know where TD fits. Obviously, he doesn't fit in the rotation. But if you have to upgrade and you have to subtract some pieces, we could he could be a name that is, is first off the board because yeah. – if especially if Monty doesn't decide to maybe he likes what Delhi brings in the locker room and in practice and and obviously KZ's been someone they've thrown out in defensive like defensive situations. I don't know if they're gonna let him go. So it's it's just gonna be kind of the question of who's gonna go then. Who who has to come off the board to upgrade the roster because moves have to be made. I just, yeah. you can't stand Pat. You haven't earned that right to stand Pat. Yeah, I completely agree. And like th- they are kind of on a condensed timeline. And I think it's not that they're trying to win the title this year, but I do think that they want to secure like a, a a playoff positioning first. If they if they're in a position to if they're in a position to lock down a playoff seat, like a playoff seed for all the mentions that you all the reasons that you mentioned earlier, the volatility of being in that winner go home situation. I think if the Kings are still floating around that five or six seed uh, come trade deadline time, if I had to guess, I would say that they're probably going to make a move to to make them better just because they want to lock that thing down. Yeah, I mean, it's contagious. I think winning is contagious, and we've seen teams that as soon as they break through, in most cases, you stay there. So that's why it's so important for the Kings yeah. to – and that's Look what people, at Phoenix. Yeah, and people have, have said before, well, what's the big deal? The Kings make the play into the playoffs, and they're out in the first round anyway. Why does it matter? It definitely matters from a cultural standpoint 
to make the playoffs and experience that and want to get back there. I think once yeah. you get a taste of the playoffs, it becomes like an addiction. That's what I've heard mm-hmm. other people say before, the players say before, and other sports primarily. But if the Kings were to make that playoff, the, the playoff or playoffs, it's got to be contagious. It'd be what they're thinking about all summer long while they're working. I have to get back there. You have to get back there. And I just I can't stand when people say, who cares? Like they're they're gonna make the plan and get waxed in the first round. Maybe. But a lot of playoff teams that make it for the first time return the next year, statistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what this says off the top of my head, but all these teams that you see, Denver, Memphis, Dallas, the Clippers, the Blazers, these teams have all made the postseason and they normally return. And when you lose and you fall out of that regard, it's kind of a gradual phasing out, like the Lakers. I mean, they were the NBA champions then they kind of what phased that they were a playing team seven seed at the playoffs completely uh, we saw the king happen to the kings in 2006 i mean or 2005 right. they went from being a top seed you get phased out right now there are some teams that are kind of towing that line i mean we don't know what utah is going to be we don't know if, if portland can put together a, a sustainable run the warriors have had injuries so the kings have an opportunity right now and they need to capitalize yeah, I I, uh, I definitely agree. Um, I am thinking about should we wrap this up? Uh, I, I am slightly concerned about uh, about internet connection as well with yes. uh, with the storm. So yeah, I think we've covered pretty much all the bases here. I we mean, have we we uh, we went through the rundown. This was supposed to be a short episode, and we went longer than we were um, hoping to. So I, I think we're we're doing well so far. Um, uh. uh Oh, what I do want to talk about before we do awards, uh, maybe we can extend the awards. This can be an extension of awards. What was the best dunk you saw these this past stretch of games? I mean, I'll throw in the Lori Markin and dunk on Sabonis, which which was something we cannot forget about that one. We we cannot show bias there. Like that was that was an incredible throwdown from Lori. In that same game, we have De'Aaron throwing down on Kelly Olynyk's head. We cannot also forget the fact that Keegan Murray started that game with a throwdown on Kelly Olynyk's head as well. Uh, and then let's see here. What else? Oh, there was the Fox dunk last night uh, where De'Aaron absolutely ends in Yeka Okongwu's life uh, after splitting a double team and then uh, and then just going chest to chest with him and, and throwing down. So uh, what 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 was your favorite dunk? I'm going to go with the dunk. Sorry. There was go also ahead. De'Aaron's dunk. Uh, in clutch time in Utah. That's mine. Uh, yes, That's mine. Where, where Vanderbilt comes late on the double and De'Aaron yeah. throws it down. They didn't, ro- they didn't rotate, and you saw Olenek shove Vanderbilt at Fox <laughs> the, the last second. He's kind of like... He's like, that is your spot. <laughs> Go get him! Uh, that one got me out of my chair. I just was like... I, I thought that was the game, too, but the Kings just... I mean, there was some refereeing, which we didn't really talk about the officials. But I mean, look... I'm going to focus on the dunk here. I'm just going to sprinkle this in. Focusing on the officiating is is getting – it's getting old to me. And I just will say it's horrible. The NBA needs to take note of it. I don't really know what else to say. It's it's a joke. Uh, some of those plays in the end were a joke. And then the fact yeah. that the two-minute reports that they were a con- correct call. The Clarkson stopping on a dime and backing into a call. You cannot say that's a correct Terrible. call. I'm sorry. But I digress. Uh, the Fox and dunk. And then also the Laurie three where they said Keegan – touches i didn't see keegan touch his elbow i saw laurie kick his feet out he kicked out on both and they didn't say anything i don't know i it's a it's a there's no point we 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 all get it and i agree needs more accountability on their official part it won't ever happen though well the dunk in um in crunch time was my favorite it got me out Mm. of my chair i thought it was a game ceiling dunk and it Mm. it kind of i mean it was it was a big play but um that's my last night's dunk was the most i think disrespectful like dunk, <laughs> yeah. like, like that was that was gross but um the most exciting to me was was the utah one what about you i think i'm gonna go with the one last night the one in utah was probably the cleanest uh obviously without it being on technically on somebody he he was really able to take off and like he re- that was like a lebron james dunk like he cocked that thing back and really threw it down and, and for it for it to be in the moment that it was uh, definitely adds to it and the fact that it was also a win as well uh you're you're definitely not wrong for that one but i'm going to edge it to the Inyeko Okongwu one just because he really like 
it was a traditional poster. Like he, like I mentioned, he kind of throws the ball forward to split the double team. And then on the replay in the arena, at least you see him kind of run to get the ball. And then the second he gets it, he kind of looks up and he sees a Kong who's there. And he's like, I got this. I got this. And just takes off and like, just explodes on him. Like we've seen De'Aaron get up before, but usually for, for, uh, dunks on people it's traditionally kind of been like a, a momentum kind of he's coming here i'm coming here and then we meet here not necessarily yeah. chest to chest body to body on somebody uh darren fox is he's he's feeling himself right now uh and and to me i mean i think i tapped both of your guys just like i didn't know what to do so i just like, tapped both of your guys's head and Did one uh, of those yeah to me that was Definitely the most exciting dunk, but I, I think if you're talking the best dunk, it was probably I think you're right, but the the one yeah. in Utah for to kind of seal it. And I think I said it already today, but I'll just reiterate: De'Aaron Fox last year dunked the ball 14 times over 60 games, and this year he's dunked 15 times over 34 games. So, yeah. and he he had comments over the years before about how he didn't want to dunk as much anymore. He stopped dunking right. he, on fat on breakaways. He would just lay it in. He mm-hmm. dunks every time he has those opportunities now. And I think it's a confidence thing. I think he's, like you said, he's feeling himself. He's feeling himself this year. He's on a winning team. The Kings are above 500 in January and he's playing along a, an all-star center. The guys around him are good. I mean, I think he's just in a, a lot better headspace. And when that mm-hmm. happens, we get exciting dunks. We get a very, very aggressive, confident De'Aaron Fox. And that is a very dangerous thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I also think that it might have something to Giannis said the other day, like he, he was dunking on people and throwing down crazy dunks because house of highlights doesn't post more unless he does those. I do wonder if that has something to do with De'Aaron's sudden boost in dunks this season is like, he's like, look, people just straight. I mean, as evident uh, though, he's, you know, the, the all-star voting doesn't reflect it. People like dunks, and the the a lot of the time, the only time you're going to get these places to post about you is if you throw it down and do a cool windmill on a fast fast break or something. And uh, you know that's that's part of the game. That is part of the the social media game that you're trying to play to get notoriety and get attention. And uh, I don't know. I'm just wondering if if I'll, I'll I don't care what the reason is, as long as we continue to get these kind of highlights, I'm I'm all for it. So. Uh, Shout out De'Aaron, who has just been throwing it down on everybody. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Like, I would not have picked him to be the leader in posters this year. Definitely would have guessed, like, Malik, probably. Yeah. Uh, so and Malik's had his had his two. Kings, yeah. This is the best dunking team the Kings have had in a while. And that includes Chemezi, mm-hmm. who hasn't played for a while. But he had a right. lot of big. Good point. A lot of big dunks. So, um, and Sabonis has had some pretty big posters, too. Sabonis yeah, is like a sneaky poster Just not as vertical. Too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's, he's, just he's very, a lot more DeMarcus Cousins posters. Yes, just kind of a standing like dunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awards. I think it's your turn. Awards. It is my turn. Uh, I'm going to go first with our uh, King of the Week. Uh, it's got to be De'Aaron Fox. I mean, just for, for his fourth quarter performance uh, in, in against Utah, uh, his, his incredible – you know, I thought he, he played – admirably against uh john moran and the and the grizzlies uh on sunday and then uh yeah i mean his performance against utah at home and uh, against denver as well like i I think De'Aaron fox has been incredible we have our first trade of the season here a block noah vonley for cash considerations to sell uh, to the uh, to the spurs to the Celtics. oh he was on the celtics who knew i was like i was like not to the kings no, no, right. Vonley still in still in the league. By the way, I, I was huge on him in the draft, it. man. I was. I too. liked him in the draft. Um, uh, no, yeah, Fox. I'm gonna go De'Aaron Fox, King of the Week. Cool, 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 cool. I'm looking. Where does okay? So I'm. Mine's obviously gonna be the other guy on the Kings, Demonis Sabonis. Uh, <laughs> past 15 games, he's a double double in 15 straight games. By the way, which is tying yep. a Sacramento era record. Chris Webber's sac or Demarcus Cousins Sacramento era record. Where's Chris Webber? It's DeMarcus. It's, DeMar- it's DeMarcus Cousins. Um, past 15 games, 21.1 points, 15 rebounds, 7.2 assists, 65 from the field, and 53 from three. Shout out Lethal Shooter, Chris's favorite shot doctor. Uh, the picture of him shooting underwater gets me every time, dude. 
I just saw a video of this man. Like he made a rim and had like a pyramid essentially on top of the rim that had nails that would like deflate the ball if he hit them. So essentially he had like a very small window to hit the ball. I don't know. I I hate lethal shooter. I'm sorry. You'll meet him at some point and you'll, (laughs) and you guys will, you guys will have a nice conversation. I'm sure. Sure. But uh, Sabonis with a broken hand and all, he is still completely that guy. I mean, just going back to when he returned from injury, uh, he missed the one game after breaking his hand. Comes back <laughs> five games since, 24 points per game, 13 rebounds, six and a half assists, 67% from the field. Monster. So, yeah. Monster. Ja- uh, Sass says that James Ham says that Domas might be the best Kings player he's ever covered. I, mm. I, I, I think so. I mean, I think, I think what he's doing right now, DeMarcus Cousins to me was. Bro, it's not I don't know, but look what Sabonis is doing. Like, yeah, no, I mean, Sabonis is doing it for a winning team, which definitely, I mean, plays a factor. But if we're talking the best Kings player, player, which is an I individual, I think DeMarcus on a talent for talent basis is about as talented as you get of a player. I think his headspace, his mental was a completely opposite factor, which definitely played into his popularity, his, how people view him now. Uh, I think, I still think just from a talent perspective, I still have DeMarcus up there, but sure. In terms of production and in terms of useful winning basketball, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And um, yeah, you know, sure. 19 points per game, leading the NBA in rebounds, rebounds per game, seven assists per game, pretty much. I mean, and he's doing it on 62% shooting. Yeah. I mean, I think he's top four in win shares. I mean, I love. I grew up loving Demarcus Cousins. I watched him yeah. in high, through high school. You and I both. Yeah. No, you, you're you're just as big of a Demarcus fan as I am. Yeah. For sure. that, that that's how we grew up. Yeah. And I think that what we're I'm seeing right now, and I don't think it's just like I'm being you know recency bias. No recency bias here. I think it's just to me it's more impressive because the the main point is the Kings are winning games, and that was not the case with Demarcus, and that that yeah. wasn't all his fault. That was not all Demarcus Cousins' fault. It just maybe it feels better to me because the Kings are winning games, yeah. but they both. No, are I think yeah, I think it's very fair, uh, and I I'm not gonna make a huge argument for the other way. I just uh, I, I it's more just an acknowledgement of I think Demarcus was incredibly talented and could have done something incredibly similar to this uh, had he had the proper resources around him and mentally to uh, to kind of get things. Well, but you know, yeah, I mean, they're, they're different players for sure. I mean, Domas is is definitely more of a passer, more of a facilitator, not necessarily looking for his shots all the time. Uh, we saw Demarcus would take like three or four threes a game once he started taking threes. Domas has been pretty consistently taking one at max two threes a game. Like he's definitely a different kind of player, and a player that I personally I. I love passing big men. Passing big men are probably because of the the era of Kings basketball that we were ushered into. But I think if you're a passing big man, that's the most valuable thing that you can really be a, as a big. And and Domas is probably the second best, you know, behind Nikola Jokic. If Nikola Jokic doesn't exist, I think we talk about Domas in a completely different way. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I I definitely hear what James is saying. I. I mean, this year too. I'm just about ready to get there. Yeah, yeah. you're close. I think if yeah. they make the playoffs, you might it might push you over the edge. But yeah. Um, sure. and his last final thought. I mean, it was someone someone put on Twitter. Demonis Sabonis is in the All NBA discussion because when you think about oh, it, absolutely, it's Jokic first team, mm-hmm. Embiid. Which I mean, Embiid. We'll see what they do. They put two centers sometimes, but Embiid second team, and the third team is going to be Sabonis or or Bam Adebayo. And yep. Bam Adebayo has been playing very well this year too. But mm-hmm. de- depending on where the Kings are late in the season and where the heat are, I think it's going to be, that's, that's going to be the difference. Yeah. Whoever yeah. kind of ends to me, it might not be the Kings ending with a better record, but will the Kings be in the postseason? That's that to mm-hmm. me is, will be what uh set some aside from that. But and this continues obviously, but I don't see any reason why this would slow down. He's Sabonis literally walking into these double doubles. He is sleepwalking into these double doubles and it is, it's incredible to watch. I mean, he obviously works so hard on the floor and gets beat up, but, um, He's making it look so easy. So yeah, he's my king of the week. Uh, Cole Coke machine, Cole machine of the week. I mm. think I'm going to nominate. Mm. 
I mean, we didn't talk about them that much. The officials. I'm not going to give it to the officials. I just oh think the, the last two games have been just ridiculous, man. I'm sorry. I mean, I know in, in the Kings have gotten some benefits. The Kings got some benefits. I mean, there were a couple of calls that went their way. I can't remember which game that it was. Was it the, the Utah game where things went their way? Um, no, not really because of the marking in. And the, are you talking the home Utah game? Yes. I, I can't okay, remember which two minute like, report came out. Point that is, was I think that was the Utah game. Yeah. Well, Kings are still I think Utah or sec- Denver, but yes, I yeah. <laughs> I think they're second in the NBA still with disadvantaged calls on the two minute report. The Kings are so. Um, I'm just gonna nominate their officials wow. because the past two games fun have not stat. been fun. That's that's a that. really yeah. fun stat. Yeah, like 19 calls. I think. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my Coke machine of the week. This one hurts to Malik Monk, who, you know, Malik's been fantastic all year, but uh, has really, especially these past four games, not been himself uh, past four games here. Let me get his game logs. Nine and a half points, uh, four and a half, re- just under four and a half rebounds, which is good to see. Or I'm sorry, a four and a half assist, which is good to see that uh, he's still moving the ball around and not just being a scorer. But uh, 21% from three on just under five attempts and 32% from the field in his past four games. It's been rough for Malik since he had that 33-point game uh, against Denver. Nine points against Utah, 18 against uh, Memphis, which, you know, not a lot of people played well in that Memphis game, but he was also shooting 41% in that game, 7 to 17. Uh, we see in that the second Utah game in Utah, he only had two points, uh, one of seven from the field. And then last night uh, against Atlanta, three of nine from the field, nine points, five assists. Uh, he just, you know, he, he's he's had a slow week, and after dropping thirty three, and really, you know, that was that was his high of the season. Uh, for him to kind of crater, um, you know, really crater after that uh, has been disappointing. And it, it's lucky that the Kings were able to go two and two during that stretch. But I think if Malik Monk has a has a better game last night, the Kings probably win that one pretty pretty handily. I think, you know, and not that Malik had a bad game, but. Um, you know, he, he just hasn't been himself really since that 33 point outing. And uh, even before that, you know, he, he was struggling a little bit. So interesting to see uh, how, how that kind of develops, but I, I expect Malik to, to bounce back for sure. And I, you know, I've, I've been on record in saying, I'm pretty sure he's going to finish top two, top three in the uh, six man of the year vote at the end of the year. So yeah. I yeah. Expect I mean, him to bounce he, back. He's had a good year. It's been a rough couple of games for the Kings bench as a whole, really. I mean, against Atlanta yeah. last night, 17 points on the bench, 38% shooting. In Utah, it was there was basically no production from the bench, eight points on 28% shooting. Mm. So gotta have to have, you're gonna have to have more than that. And the Kings have been a top five scoring team for most of the year. They probably have fallen out of that at this point, but I'm not worried about them getting back on track. And especially not about Malik Monk. Malik Monk's gonna be fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, sorry about the Coke machine. Board, <laughs> I know. But, I'm sorry. I, it never feels good, but uh, it, yeah, that's the first one you give to a player in a while. That's no, first one you give to a player in a while. This one feels obvious, though. I mean, you know, and it's easy to say because Malik has played great. It's not like uh, you know, like Rashawn Holmes was definitely in consideration for this award. That would have been a little bit sadder of a conversation. Um, yeah, I'll give it to Malik. Yeah. Here we go, Frank. We said we were going to record for 30 minutes, and we are an hour and five into this one. Uh, I think that is all the thoughts we have. I am shocked that we still have power, still have internet uh, as well. Uh, Shout out everyone who doesn't have that, so you haven't been able to watch this, obviously. But uh, everybody stay safe out there. Uh, I know I said that this storm has been kind of weak. But, uh, you know, it's it, I'm sure that there's people out there who have trees that fell in their car, fell on their car. And I think uh, I think we're still in the middle of this storm. So it's supposed to rain yeah. the next 10 Week. days or so. So uh, yes, as, as far dry, as the weather, as far as weather can go on your phone, does it show rain? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All the way until Great. Saturday, 60 percent chance of rain. Uh, it's supposed to rain. It's supposed to, maybe thunderstorms, lightning storms at four o'clock today and it's supposed to clear up overnight uh into tomorrow but tomorrow so i think tomorrow's supposed to be clear but after that we're we're in the thick of this thing so much for the drought huh yeah 
Yeah, right. So much. So everybody can now leave your water on all day. It's all good. Yeah. We're out of the drought. We're fine. It's official. We are it's uh, official. We are scientists. Stamping we know. It. Stamping it. Uh, that's gonna be it for us. Uh, you know, uh, I guess I'll preview. I'll just give you guys uh, the next couple games that the Kings have here. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, but on Saturday, the Kings play the Lakers. Uh, Monday, they play the Orlando Magic. And then Wednesday, they play the first of their two-game series against the Houston Rockets. We will probably, more than likely, unless internet goes down or something, we will be back next Thursday at this same time, 10 o'clock, right here on Sacktown Sports 1140 YouTube channel, also on the Sacktown Sports 1140 Twitter page for Frankie Cardicelli. My name is Chris Watkins. Y'all stay safe out there. Have a fantastic Stay dry. And yes, stay dry and uh, avoid, avoid trees at all costs.